Hello and welcome to episode 430 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We're recording on first Friday, February 3rd, 2023 in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us begin with the Friday prayer to the most blessed Virgin Mary to obtain love towards her and Jesus Christ by St. Alphonsus Liguri. O Mary, I already know that thou art the most noble, the most sublime, the most pure, the most beautiful, the most benign, the most holy, in a word, the most amiable of all creatures. O that all knew thee, my lady, and loved thee as thou dost merit. But I am consoled when I remember that in heaven and on earth there are so many happy souls who live enamored of thy goodness and beauty. Above all, I rejoice that God himself loves thee alone more than he loves all men and angels together. My most amiable queen, I, a miserable sinner, love thee also, but I love thee too little. I desire a greater and more tender love towards thee, and this thou must obtain for me. Since to love thee is a great mark of predestination and a grace which God only grants to those whom he will save. I see also, my mother, that I am indeed under great obligations to thy son. I see that he merits infinite love. Thou, who desirest nothing else but to see him, loved, hast to obtain me this grace above all others. Obtain me great love for Jesus Christ. Thou obtainest all that thou willest from God. Ah, then, be graciously pleased to obtain me the grace to be so united to the divine will, that I may never more be separated from it. I do not ask of thee earthly goods, honors, or riches. I ask thee for that which thy heart desires most for me. I wish to love my God. Is it possible that thou refusest to second this, my desire, which is so pleasing to thee? Ah, no, thou already helpest me. Already thou prayest for me. Pray, pray, and cease not to pray until thou seest me safe in heaven beyond the possibility of evermore losing my Lord and certain to love him forever together with thee, my dearest mother. May all the words that I speak be so many arrows dipped in the blood of thy sacred heart, O Jesus, to pierce the hearts of all who hear them with love for thee. Amen. Holy face of Jesus of the veil of Veronica, dear Lord, through the immaculate heart of Mary, I offer these prayers in reparation for the sins which most offend God in our times, blasphemy, the profanation of Sunday and holy days, and communism. Pater noster, quies in celi, sanctificator nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panam nostrum quotidianum de nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitibus debitoribus nostris, et nenos inducas in tentationem, sed libra nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena. Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostri. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicuderat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. The Golden Arrow Prayer. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most mysterious and unutterable name of God be praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and in the hells by all God's creatures and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. For the defeat of communists, Freemasons, and all revolutionary men. 
Eternal Father, I offer thee the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the instruments of his holy passion, that thou mayest put division in the camp of thy enemies. For as thy beloved Son hath said, a kingdom divided against itself shall fall. Eternal Father, we offer thee the holy face of Jesus, covered with blood, sweat, dust, and spittle, in reparation for the crimes of communists, blasphemers, and before the profaners of the holy name, and of the holy day of Sunday. Amen. I wanted to begin to take a look today, my friends, at the Revelations of the Holy Face of Jesus, a booklet by the late Mr. John Venari from the Fatima Center. This is located at Fatima.org. You can download it for free. I also recently purchased the hard copy of it. It's only $6, so head on over to Fatima.org for that. We need to get back to devotion to the Holy Face. I need to do this, and I wanted to share this with you. Once again, it's entitled The Revelations of the Holy Face of Jesus by John Venari. The initial chapter is called The Holy Carmelite, and we will begin there. On November 24, 1843, our Lord spoke the following words to the French Carmelite, Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre. The earth is covered with crimes. The violation of the first three commandments of God has irritated my father. The holy name of God blasphemed, and the holy day of the Lord profaned fills up the measure of iniquities. These sins have risen under the throne of God and provoked his wrath, which will soon burst forth if his justice be not appeased. At no time have these crimes reached such a pitch. This booklet spotlights the revelations of our Lord to Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre, a French Carmelite nun who lived from 1816 to 1848. These revelations enjoy the full approval of the Catholic Church and were given the highest recommendations by the renowned 19th century Benedictine Dom Gueringer, author of the multi-volume work, The Liturgical Year. Our Lord's words to Sister Saint-Pierre appear to be more urgent today than when they were given over 170 years ago. They're part of a tradition of heaven, warning mankind of its outrages against God, the great need for reparation, and the threat of divine punishments from a God who is already too much offended. These revelations to Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre also form a foundation for Our Lady's 1917 visitations at Fatima. Father Jean Vier. This booklet is based on primary source materials in the English language, the most important of which is the life of Sister Saint-Pierre. This book which was published only 36 years after the Carmelite's death, was written by Father P. Jean Vier, a fervent promoter of the work of reparation. Its 1884 English translation bears the 1881 imprimatur of Monsignor Collet, the Archbishop of Tours. From the start, Father Jean Vier relates that his account of her life is based on five primary French sources. Number one, the life of Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre, written by herself in obedience to her superiors. Number two, her private letters concerning her interior state and the object of her mission. Number three, the annals of the Carmel of Tours, where Sister Saint-Pierre lived. Personal interviews that Father Jean Vier conducted with the nuns who knew Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre, including her mother's superior and closest confidants. Number five, a brief monograph 
of a life of Sister Saint-Pierre, excuse me, of Sister Saint-Saint-Pierre, that had been written anonymously and spread throughout France after her death, which had excited local interest in this Carmelite. Also drawn from was the original 1885 English translation of Father Jean Vier's book about Leon Dupont, also imprimatur, which was published only nine years after Mr. Dupont's death. Mr. Dupont was closely connected with Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre's convent. Known as the Holy Man of Tours, he was one of the most zealous promoters of our Lord's request for reparation and devotion to the Holy Face. He hung a large picture of the Holy Face in his parlor, before which burned a lamp with holy oil. This parlor, which became an oratory with the bishop's permission, received countless visitors. Through the devotion to the Holy Face, so many miracles were worked in the parlor of Leo de Pont that Blessed Pius IX called him the greatest miracle worker in church history. That's a direct quote from Blessed Pius IX. Here, however, we will focus on Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre, who from 1843 to 1848 received special communications from heaven regarding the work of reparation for sins of blasphemy and the profanation of Sunday as well as heaven's request for reparation to the holy face of Jesus. Exchanged in the nursery? Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre was born on October 4, 1816, the feast of St. Francis of Assisi, and was baptized Francois Perrin Elvery. She relates that when she was only a month old, my nurse had gone out an instant, leaving me in the cradle. One of her little children took me up and doubtless wishing to warm me, carried me near the fire. But I fell out of the child's arms into the fire and my face has always retained the mark of that accident. Though her pious parents raised her in the faith and in the rudiments of Catholic teaching, she was not an angelic child. Her own mother lamented that this little girl was so naughty She must have been exchanged in the nursery because no child of ours could be as bad as this little one is. Passionate, stubborn, and giddy is how Sister Saint-Pierre later described her early childhood traits. Despite her failings, however, little Perrin possessed a good spirit, accepted the punishments her misdeeds warranted, eventually gained self-mastery, learned her devotions, and at an early age developed an intense love of prayer. Perrin was only 12, when her mother died. Not long after, she went to work as a seamstress. Nurturing her gift of prayer, as Father Jean Vier described it, she constantly made spiritual communions, even while occupied in her daily work. Her holiness and sense of recollection radiated to her co-workers, who soon looked to her for spiritual advice and edification. Believing herself called to a religious vocation, she placed herself in the hands of a spiritual director, who was a true gift from heaven. This holy confessor declared that when he was dealing with someone who might have a vocation, it was his principle to send to convents only such aspirants as had been sufficiently tested and who, when they had once entered the cloister, would never return to the world. The priest guided her in preparation for her life as a religious, especially by teaching her how to conquer her passions. Numerous obstacles delayed her entrance into religious life. For a time, it appeared that she would be steered into an order of hospital sisters, which was not her first choice. Her great desire was to enter Carmel. Yet, our Lord comforted her during this period of distress. 
After she received Holy Communion one day, in what may have been the first mystical communication, our Lord spoke to her interiorly. My daughter, I love you too much to abandon you any longer to your perplexities. You will not be a hospital, sister. This is only a trial. You will be a Carmelite, and measures are already being taken for your reception. A powerful voice then repeated several times, you will be a Carmelite. Good Catholic girl that she was, she immediately wrote down these words to submit to her spiritual director. When she handed her confessor the folded paper, and before the priest knew the contents, he burst out with his own good news. He had just received a letter informing him that she had been accepted into the Carmelite Monastery at Tours. A Heritage of Fidelity The Carmel of Tours, which had opened its doors to young Perrin, was blessed with a rich history. It was founded in 1608 by Sister Anne of St. Bartholomew, who became the first superior of the house. A devoted friend of St. Teresa of Avila, Sister Anne was even present at St. Teresa's deathbed. When the Carmelites arrived at Tours in 1608, they found the city full of heretics who were descendants of the Huguenots. The presence of the Holy Carmelites, as usual, affected the conversion of a number of these unbelievers to the Catholic faith. The legacy of this Carmel was one of fidelity and courage in the face of some of the church's worst enemies. It not only remained steadfast to Catholic truth during the Jansenist heresy, it also survived the French Revolution, albeit with scars. During the revolution, the government pressured these nuns to take the new oath of loyalty. Not one of the nuns submitted. For this refusal, they were driven from the convent and cast into a courtyard where they were exposed to foul weather of all sorts. A blind and sickly nun of 87 years died due to the mistreatment. Yet, whatever their surroundings, the persecuted nuns kept alive the faith, the rule, and the spirit of their order. Perhaps it was during this period that they best understood St. Teresa of Avila's description of the Carmelite vocation. My daughters, you are not here for rest and enjoyment, but to labor, to suffer, and to save souls. In 1822, with France opting toward a kinder and gentler atheism, the Carmelites were permitted to return to their Tours convent. Seventeen years later, young Perrin, who came to be Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre, arrived at the house was admitted to the order, persevered joyfully through her novitiate, and made her final profession of vows in June 1841. And we will continue with chapter two tomorrow, which is entitled The Golden Arrow. Let us at this time, my friends, mention Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach located on the web at halo-soma.org. And also episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast, in which I interview my sister and my wonderful niece about RPM, which is a acronym for Rapid Prompting Method, a system of communication for non-speakers. Just as Braille was a revolutionary breakthrough for the blind and sign language was a revolutionary breakthrough for the deaf, so Rapid Prompting Method has become a revolutionary breakthrough in communication for non-speakers. We believe that communication is a human right, and we want to get the word out to as many people as possible. So once again, it's halo-soma.org and episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Let us pray for help and for healing 
for our non-speaking friends and family members. Almighty and eternal God, healer of those who trust in you, through the intercession of St. Raphael, Archangel, hear my prayer for non-speakers and their families. In your tender mercy, restore them to spiritual and bodily health that they may give you thanks, praise your name, and proclaim your wondrous love to all. I ask this through Christ your Son, our Lord. Amen. Memorari to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, my spiritual father, and beg your protection. O foster father of the Redeemer, despise not my petitions, but in your goodness hear and answer me. Amen. The three Hail Marys in honor of the Immaculate Purity of Our Lady of Fatima. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostri. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostri. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostri. Amen. And a Gloria Patri for a special intention. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. By thy pure and immaculate conception, O Mary, obtain for me the conversion of Russia, Spain, Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. Virgo potens, ora per nobis. Sancti Yosef, terra daimonem, ora per nobis. Sancta Raphael Archangeli, ora per nobis. In nomine Patris, et Fili, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 430 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. In your charity, please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Fatima Podcast. And most importantly, please offer up prayers and sacrifices for our Catholic bishops. They need your help. Goodbye and God love you. <laughs>